All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to CC Guru and Goranga. I, I think everyone could hear me. Any problem with that? No. But one thing, you know, I think there's some more people coming. So if you can fill in the spaces here, so when they come, they can. Okay, they are coming. Yeah, just move up a bit. Yeah. Okay. Anywhere? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> wow, nice group. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to continue our reading from the Krishna book, chapter Canto 10, chapter 21. Blowing of the flu. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Another gopi began to praise the unique position of Govardhan Hill in this way. It's even hard to write that. <laughs> it's hard to read that, thinking of our separation from Brudge. It's getting too much. How fortunate is this Govardhan Hill for it's enjoying the association of Lord Krishna and Balaram, who are accustomed to walking on it. Thus, Govardhan is always in touch with the lotus feet of the Lord. And because Govardhan is so obliged to Lord Krishna and Balaram, it is supplying different kinds of fruits, roots, and herbs, as well as very pleasing crystal water from its lakes in presentation to the Lord. The best presentation offered by Govardhan Hill, however, is newly grown grass for the cows and calves. Govardhan Hill knows how to please the Lord by pleasing his most beloved associates, the cows and the cowherd boys. <clears throat> Om Ajnana Timarandasya Kananjana Shalakaya Taksur Unmulatam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Mano Bistam Tapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Sapadantikam Vansha Kalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhayevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Siyadvaita Gadadhar 
Shivasadegorbhaktavrinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. <clears throat> so I think this is our maybe third time doing this program on Sunday. You can all hear me? Okay. Um, and at that time, I mentioned this is extraordinary. There's 60 acres, and they're building a, a beautiful temple. Deities are coming, I think, tomorrow, maybe on October 20th, there'll be an opening. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually miraculous, because I know with Jamuna and Leela, we were looking for a place, and you can't get a little house for the price they're getting 60 acres and four houses now. So I, 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 I was saying there's so many people and organizations, Krishna could give this place, but they're giving it to them. And I think the reason why is they're in a mood and in a position to be completely non-sectarian. It, it, it's, for, it's for everyone. And it's, and it's really the mood of Srila Narayamaraj, their guru. I, I, there's one instance, and I'm not going to tell the story, but he told me one personal instruction that I think is, is at the crux, in one sense, of what's happening here. He said, a Vaishnava is one who promotes faith in guru. And he wasn't talking about just himself or his organization. He was talking about a principle. And you'll find that here in such a beautiful way. And therefore, as is their mother temple in, in Radhe Kunj, it's for everyone. If you go in there, you'll see Vaishnavas of every type and non-Vaishnavas. Everyone is welcome and everyone will be encouraged in their faith. So I can tell this to my disciples online. I can tell it here. This place is yours. And, and, and come here and, and, and serve it and, and participate. It's just such a, an incredible blessing for the Northeast to have a Radha Krishna temple here. So um, I, I say that from my heart. Um, now, I don't usually jump to the 10th canto, so I have to kind of explain myself a little bit is, just before Radhastami, I finished, I think it was Brahma Vimohan Lila. And then I thought Radhastami was coming. And why not read a little something from Krishna book about Sri Radha? And I started there. And I thought, well, of course, I didn't get very far. So I thought, why not continue it? But even in continuing that, I always make a, a, a point within our tradition that uh, understanding comes before experience. We want to have the experience of, of bhakti. Our goal, our goal is to feel Krishna, not just to understand Krishna. It's to feel Krishna. Someone asked me, I, I, yeah, I was on the, uh, uh, with Vaisheshika Prabhu and he was writing a book and he, he called me up. He sometimes does that. And he asked me, 
what, what, what's the best definition of bhakti? So it's hard to give a definition of bhakti because what is bhakti? Is it a feeling in the heart? Is it a practice? Is it the goal? It's the practice. It's the goal. What is bhakti? And I thought very carefully because, and I've been, I'm retired now, but I used to do a lot of preaching in the yoga world, et cetera. And uh, it really challenged you. How do you communicate to people? Because communication means speaking in people's language, not just the language that you understand. And people understand English in different ways, according to their culture, according to their experience, according to their prejudices. So I, I thought, and I was always trying how to explain bhakti. And then I had one experience in Vrindavan. And when I say that, uh, you know, I can explain to you all that the government is opening up Vrindavan for tourist visas. That's for sure. I've got that. It's in the papers from great sources. I'm hankering. I'm supposed to be equal in happiness and distress, but I can say I'm not. My, my application arrived for a visa on the embassy on, on last Wednesday. I booked my flight on the 18th evening to arrive the 19th evening in Delhi to, to get to Vrindavan for the beginning of, of Kartik. The last 45 years, I missed one Kartik. And when I had that Kartik, where I, I, I celebrated in Gita Nagari because they had Radha Damodar deities. So, you know, that hankering is there for Vrindavan. That hankering is there. So when, when you read these things, you have that mood in your heart. And I'm, I say, I'm trying to be equal in happiness and distress, and I'm preparing myself because if that comes, I'm going to drown myself in ice cream. <laughs> and if it doesn't come, I'm going to drown myself in ice cream. It, it, it's it's going <laughs> to. So, but. So I was, because I'm, I'm saying this, because I'm illustrating a point. And one of my favorite places in Vrindavan is the flower gardens in Vrindavan. And there's a special way to get there. And I have this way of getting to the flower gardens of Vrindavan. And I know Mollies. And Mollies are gardeners. And I'm very close. And I, I sit there and they make these bridge bossy rotis that are just amazing. And, and it's just Bridge Basirothi and Dal, and, and they're Dal too, you know, what is it, too, too hot to taste, too sweet to resist. It's just an amazing experience. And I was sitting with him, and he was sitting here, and I was sitting there, and then his grandson came and whispered something in his, his ear, and then he ran away. And when he ran away, I went to, to follow him. And then I saw that a calf was born. And then I saw the calf go for the milk of the cow immediately. And then the cow starting to intensely lick the calf. And I saw, wow, there's this energy here. It's not an intellectual phenomena. It's something that happens with beings in relationship. There's love. It's reflected here in this world with a mother and child. 
And but it's ultimately coming from the ultimate reality with the Upanishads defined as rasa vai saha. It is that the, 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 it makes so much sense. What if there is God, what should the highest reality be, but the highest pleasure? And if you want to talk by logic and our experience in this world, what else can be the highest pleasure, but the highest love? So I saw that in, 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 it was intense. It's an energy. It wasn't an intellectual thing. How, how did the calf know who the cow was? And there's something in relationship. And we have that relationship with God. And, and, and when we are free from, from the coverings that, that prevent us from experiencing that relationship, that energy is called prema. And prema pumarta Mahan, Artha, the value, Maha, the greatest value is that. And it's such a reasonable conception of life because that's what we are all looking for in this world. And it, it exists in perfection in the ultimate reality to the most intense level. And that's what our goal is. But there's, but there, 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 but to, to achieve that goal, you have to have, first have the proper understanding. And that's why we have three categories of philosophy. And the first category is Sambandagyan. And Sambandagyan means knowledge of relationship, but it, knowledge of what relationship? First, knowledge of the relationship between the energies in this world. Because if you don't understand the relationship between the energies of this world, you won't understand God. And if you don't understand God, you won't have a relationship with God and you won't feel a relationship with God. And therefore, some again, knowledge of relationship means an understanding of God that enables you to have a, an, an understanding of that, an understanding of God that enables you to have a relationship with God. And there's, there's three energies, matter, spirit, and control, or both. And you can understand. What is a common misunderstanding of relationship? What is my relationship with the body? I am the body. I am the enjoyer. And if you think you're the enjoyer, to the extent that you, you, you think you're the enjoyer, is the extent you won't understand who you are, which is the servant of God. And then you have to understand the relationship between spirit and God. Again, if you think you are God, then what would be the extent of a relationship with God and having a relationship with God? And then there's a relationship between, between God and matter. If you think that God is matter, why will you worship God? And therefore we understand that the teachings of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, he was so heavy, he said, clearing the weeds of ignorance especially of that conception that God is matter, God is material. That's Mayavad philosophy. Because if you have that misconception, you won't develop your relationship with God and you won't have an understanding of God. And therefore the goal is priyogena. And what is priyogena? Priyogena is that experience. First, you have to have an understanding that's 80% of the Shastra is having a proper understanding of God. 
and that's called Siddho Pradesh. Siddho Pradesh means instructions that lead to perfection. That's 80% because that's the most important thing. Because if you don't understand God, you won't worship God. If you don't worship God, you won't feel God. That's what Priyogena is. First, we understand we have our Sambandha, yes. What is our Sambandha? It's understanding God and his energies and therefore understanding God. And then when you understand God, then there's a process for realizing it. Because God is a person. And you can't understand the person just intellectually. You can only understand the person in relationship. And that's why the abhideya or the means of understanding the absolute truth is bhakti. Because that's how you understand the person. You understand the person in relationship. A person is a stranger if you don't have a relationship. How much do you know of a stranger if there's not some relationship? So what is our abhideya? What is our, our, our means of realizing the absolute truth? It's loving God. It's the process of bhakti. And the first aspect of loving someone is putting your attention towards them because you have some value and understanding of that relationship. In the bhakti sandarbha, in the very, very beginning of the bhakti sandarbha, it gives a key verse for the Abhideya Tattva. Vayam dvitiya binivesitashat ishad upetasya viparya yo smiti. It starts like this, ishad upetasya. You turn away from God. But how can you turn away from God if God is everywhere and everything? You turn away from God in consciousness. You don't want God. And God fulfills your desire not to be a devotee by putting you in the illusion that you're not. So it's this desire. And you turn away from God and you accept another identity. And and from that becomes, becomes duality and comes all kinds of fear. So what's the process? The process, the abhideya tattva, the means of realizing God, is just to reverse the cause of forgetting God. You've turned away, you turn towards, and that's called worship. That's putting your consciousness towards God. So, it begins with some type of, of, of and that's Abhideya. That's the means. And then what happens? Then, then, then by that means, you realize God, but you don't just see God, you actually feel God. And that's the priyogena. That's called prema, or, or the energy between us and God. And that's the goal. But that understanding, without, there's actually, I read something earlier here, if I can find it. Um, the highest perfection of the eyes is to see Krishna and Balaram entering the forest and playing their flutes and tending the, the cows with their friends. The highest perfection of the eyes, the highest perfection of the ears. But what is your understanding? It's not just based on your senses. 
Your understanding is also based on the focus of your consciousness. It's also based on, on your understanding. So you don't have the proper determination to focus your consciousness and you don't have the proper understanding, you won't actually perceive something. It's not just based on the senses. I had this experience this week. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to sleep at night. I said, and now I got someone put this app on my phone and I can listen to someone reading the Krishna book. And so I turn it on at night and then I fall asleep. And then I wake up and I did this for several nights. And then one night, I, anyway, I woke up, I took it out. And then when I went, I saw, wow, that was like several chapters. And then I realized, was I hearing it or not? The vibration was in the ear. Or was I actually experiencing it or hearing it? And then it's, the obvious fact is I wasn't hearing it. It's just like this class, if I'm speaking and your mind is someplace else, are you hearing the class? It's not just a sound vibration. And it's not, and, and it's, so it, it's not just a sound vibration. You have to focus your consciousness. That's why in the Yoga Sutras, when it describes what is the practice of bhakti, not what is the practice of yoga, what is the practice of meditation? It lists four things in relationship to concentration. It lists the concentration itself. Then it lists the duration of the concentration. Then it lists that the concentration must be unbroken. And then the fourth thing, which is very interesting to us, to focus, you have to have the proper attitude. Because if you don't have the proper desire, you won't focus. So same thing, I, I feel like this, I'm coming to this, this you know, the 10th canto and, and these subjects. And, and what we're taught is it's, it's not just hearing them, it's understanding them. You have to have the right understanding to hear them. That's why there are 10 cantos. And what are the 10 cantos? You go through those, those nine cantos, atra, sargas, visargas, cha, Statir, Poshanam, Utaya, Ishakanta, Mandvatara, Narodha, Muktir, Ashraya. Ashraya is the 10th canto. There are other subjects. And why are there other subjects? Because what happens if you don't have the proper understanding? And what happens if your heart is not pure? We experience something, but to actually, for example, you have a political figure. Two, two parties look at the same political figure and they come to different conclusions who they are. They both have the same exact information. They're seeing and hearing the same things about it. But why? Because, they're, because their understanding is different. So why do we go through the first nine cantos? I have to do this before I go into the 10th canto. Why do we go for the first nine cantos? Because they purify the intelligence and they purify the heart. If the intelligence is not purified, then how will you see it? I remember I was giving a, a Radhastami class at the Bhakti Center. And somehow or other, it wasn't planned that way, but every single person was there. I mean, 
they were the most senior Vaishnavas in the Hare Krishna movement at the time. Radnath Swami is there, Vaisheshagaru is there, and, and so many people like this. And then there were new people coming. And then I was trying to figure out, now, how am I going to communicate this? Because I'll say one thing, and it, 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 it's like when Krishna entered the wrestling arena of, of, of Kamsa, they, you know, people saw nine different things. But I, when you're speaking, you want people to understand one thing, <laughs> the thing that's there, the truth that's there, not according to their biases or prejudices, et cetera. So I tried to figure it out. And the way I started the class was, is that there was a picture of, you know, Radha and Krishna and the Astaka Sakis under the tree. It's a very famous picture. And I said, when you came into Krishna consciousness, you saw that picture, what did you see? What do you see now? What is like the senior devotees see here? Do, do they see the same thing? It's the same paint. It's the same picture, but do they see the same thing? No, it depends on their understanding. Or when you hear about Radha and Krishna, do you hear the same thing? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was very strict. And some parts of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, he didn't allow discussion. He could just read it. Because what will people hear? Will they hear the truth? I was saying more as important in speaking the truth is, is having the truth understood. So what, what will people hear? It gets filtered and understood. So it is a process of hearing, which Prabhupada and and Chilin Ryan are very expert at. That you you give you you couch it in a in an understanding, a frame of reference according to the audience. I'm just trying to get empowered so I could speak about this subject, and I know but you can't speak about the subject before you speak about the qualification to hear it. Because Prabhupada also gave these things. He gave the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is the essence of all our philosophy. If there's one book that you must keep, it's the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Why? What's the proof of that? If all our books, you keep the Chaitanya Charitamrita, who can give a proof that that's a fact? even more than the Bhagavatam. Okay, I'm, I'm putting myself on a limb. What's the proof of it? Because when Prabhupada could carry one book to read <laughs> on the Jaladuti, he took that. Why? Because it had everything. It, it's the summary of, it's the life and teachings of change. It has Rupa Goswami, it has the philosophy, it has everything. So that understand and, and, and when, when, when you follow it in the proper way and you, you have the proper understanding, you'll see it as reality and not mythology when you hear these pastimes. And when your heart is purified and you hear them, you'll see them as spiritual and not mundane 
So we're always following in the lines of our acharyas to couch it in that, in that, in that proper understanding so that we can have the experience and we desperately want that experience. Prabhupada wanted this for us. He wanted us to hear the pastimes of Krishna and not just hear them, but feel them. That people talk about Raganuga Bhakti. How, how, how does it come? How does it, you hear these things from the proper source. And after hearing these things, then you begin to feel these things. Legitimately begin to feel these things. And you begin to desire these things. Sometimes there's a controversy. How do you enter into Raganuga Bhakti where you can, on a high level, you can meditate on Krishna's pastimes and, and how? It, it comes from an intense desire. <laughs> an intense desire. And that's our goal. And how do you get that intense desire? This is going to be the hard part. You have to become nishta. <laughs> fixed. Because from nishta comes ruchi. And I always wanted an example to explain how does nishta being fixed. And it doesn't mean renouncing the world. We have our duties. It means that we're always lined up with what Krishna wants, whether it's our duties and our spiritual duties. and everything. We're doing what Krishna wants. So I always wanted an, an, an analogy an example, why does Ruch, Nishta lead to Ruchi? And it, an epiphany happened to me when I was in Rishikesh. The water was coming down from the Himalayas and I was drinking the water. And then, oh, then I understood, oh, Rasaham Apso Kontea, I am the taste of water. Oh, that's what it means. You taste water when it's just water, when it goes down the plains and it mixes with the minerals, you don't taste the water. The same thing with bhakti. You really taste bhakti when bhakti is just bhakti. And when you become fixed in devotional service. And maybe we're not, but how do we get it? We get it by the association of devotees. We get it by making efforts like today to, to, to come here and get the association of good devotees and be in a, a beautiful temple atmosphere and hear Krishna Kata and do the Kirtan because that's faith. Faith is the value we put on our goal. And the value we put on our goal is based on our experience of that goal. And it may not be always, but it may be coming to Vrindavan. May, hey, maybe this year we'll have the Puriyatra again. <laughs> I, I mean, let's have our Puriyatra. That's, we have a Puriyatra. Oh, oh, it's amazing. I just remember some of those kirtans with Shrimuna Jaya and Jai Jagannath dancing in the Gambira. Munajaya is also quite a dancer. You know, Jai Jagannath was a ballet dancer, so, but in ecstasy, he, he let loose because he felt like, wow, this is the, you know, that Sangha. Because when Lord Chaitanya 
He was sitting before his guru and his guru told him, now I'm going to tell you a verse that's the essence of the Bhagavatam. And he was sitting so patiently. What would that verse be? And then Lord Chaitanya said, uh, In this way, without any ambition, without any attachment, chanting the names of your beloved Lord. So that's what Sangha is. That's what community is. It's that kind of place where you come and you see everyone's fixed on Krishna and there's none of this self-centered stuff that kind of makes you inhibited. But it's, and therefore you can open your heart. That's why Jiva Goswami said that Sankirtan is better than Kirtan. Because Sankirtan, he said, gives special some special ecstasy. He mentioned this in Bhakti Sandarbha. Why? Because when you're together in a group that's unified on that goal and, 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 and the experience is a joint experience that you share in, it really helps to take away that self-centered covering of the heart called false ego that prevents you from having that energy connect your soul. It's actually a facility when you actually come to a Sangha and a community like this, where they're so fixed on Krishna. And when you come in here, you feel that way. And you see how they've taken shelter of their gurus. And then it's so easy to be in that mood rather than the way we have to live in the world today not wanting to be vulnerable. <laughs> I knew when, when, when I would, grew up in New York, they taught me there was a way to walk with confidence so people would, wouldn't let you alone. You, you imagine that there's a rope pulling your chest. <laughs> imagine there's a, Missy, you know, there's a rope pulling like this. Yeah, look, otherwise you can't. That kind of world that we live in, that world of exploitation that promotes exploitation. Advertising is exploitive. It promotes exploitation. Puts everybody in the center in competition with everybody else. But Sangha, community, Kirtan, Sankirtan is the exact opposite. There's no community, there's no competition. <laughs> it's unification on the holy name. And, and Radha and Krishna and, and the mercy of the Acharyas. And when you come to an atmosphere like that, you feel it. I'm, I'm seeing the people here that they, they just came in. As soon as they sat down, they're smiling. They're smiling because they feel it. This is the atmosphere where we open our hearts and with the bhakti and this beautiful altar here and there's nice Vaishnavas. So, um, now that I preach some hell brimstone and fire. <laughs> okay, this is my godbrother, Bhajendranandar Prabhu. Uh, his son is Prem Pradeep, one of the Savites here. Good, good progeny, good source. And I'll just tell you a, a, a little story. He's a very saintly person. I don't want to embarrass him, but I'll tell you a little story. When I was coming to the Brooklyn Temple, he was already a devotee there. And I was just visiting and he was preaching to me. And I was in the basement of the Brooklyn temple. 
and he was preaching to me. Somehow he always had that kind of heart for people to, to open his heart and preach. And he's a very nice person. So he was kind of preaching to me. I was kind of, I had the Bhakti Lata Beach, but in those days, you're not a devotee unless you moved in the temple. So I wasn't a devotee yet. I, I kind of had some kind of faith. So he says, okay, let's go upstairs now. Maybe it was Prasadam. And as we're going upstairs, Vishnu John walks down the stairs. And, and then Vajendranandana says to Vishnu John, he said, oh, here, I'd like you to meet Bhakta Dennis. And Vishnu John went like this. Hi, Vishnu John. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like so powerful. <laughs> I swear, I, I remember that. Story. I mean, just that voice, my God. Anyway, this is, this is what, what a beautiful chapter. The perfection of the eyes, Krishna entering the forest with Balaram and blowing his flute. And the, the kirtan of, of the cowherd boys, sometimes they're so enthusiastic and they want an instrument that they, they, they look at a tree and they see a shiny leaf and they get it and they roll it up and then they have trumpets. And the, and the nature of Krishna is he reciprocates the service of every living entity. So there's not a flower in Vrindavan that Krishna does not pick that Radha does not pick. Every single flower, the service is offered. Every speck of dust, Krishna's lotus feet touches. Man, uh, I got to get to Vrindavan. <laughs> I hope it's not like selfish because I've, I've gone there for 45 years only for service. So you only go for, he knows, you, you're there for service. That's all. If you don't have service, you're not in Vrindavan. So let's see if there's some service. But every dust, every particle of dust that Krishna steps on. It, 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 and, and, and he comes to, and, and when he enters into that forest, he blows his flute for two reasons. One, to give joy and one out of joy. He's so happy that he's coming to Vrindavan, the land that's serving him. Even the clouds are moving and the, the gopis are imagining because when they hear that flute, they hear Krishna's love for them. And as soon as you have love in your heart, you remember your beloved and it's so vivid in their hearts. And they're even envisioning that the clouds in, in, in Vrindavan, the clouds of Vrindavan are moving to give shade. And then when he comes in, it describes what is the wind, Vayuna Drishtam, the wind is serving. When I take people into the, the, the with the rotis, many people here, Amelie, you've been to the, that roti place with me, we, we go and, and I, we stop in, in the forest, the, the flower gardens of Vrindavan, and I just say, let's have a moment of silence to Vrindavan. Just like hear those birds of Vrindavan and feel that, that wind. Feel that wind. And I say, the wind is not just blowing, the wind is loving. It's a difference. 
because it, it's carrying the, 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 the fragrance. Uh, it's carrying the fragrance of the flowers. It's carrying the droplets of the water. It, it's caressing Krishna and Radha. So they're entering into that land. That's so out of joy. And then because Krishna is a person, Krishna enjoys love. But who do you enjoy love? If Krishna enjoys love, and that's the supreme pleasure, then he has to love because you enjoy love from those whom you love. <laughs> so Krishna also loves. And he, and he loves he loves Vrindavan. So he's, he's blowing his flute to give them joy. But at the same time, the nature of this transcendental instrument that amplifies the heart, it amplifies Krishna's heart. So those who hear it, hear Krishna's love for them. The gopis are just now hearing Krishna blowing this flute. And they're just meditating on his pastimes and his love and their desire. Those three desires of prema. I wanna be with you. I want to serve you. And I want to have a relationship with you. That's why when Krishna is taking his food in the forest, it's all these concentric circles of millions of cowherd boys around Krishna. And then it, it's like it becomes the tilak of the earth. And tilak is just not a marking. Tilak is a consciousness. Tilak means I belong. <laughs> you belong. <laughs> okay. I belong. It's a mood. Raghunath once told me a story. There's this place in Vrindavan that it's, it's called Tatiastan. It's one of the best places you can go they live as they lived 500 years ago. And everyone that goes there, they have a samaj, they have to join a group to learn classical singing. And they learn Drupad Kirtan, which is classical. And they know not instruments. And then the sages come in and I take people there. I say, you're gonna see a science fiction movie because when the sadhu goes around the thing, they, you know, Rod, hey, because there's no amplification. And then the sadhus come out of their kutirs and they're very old. They have this mud on their face and they all have arthritis so they can't bend their knees and they all start walking towards the temple. That's just like a science fiction movie, you know? Like the thing of the walking dead or something. They were like walking. But then they come in the temple and they sing. And then afterwards they invite you for prasadam because they're Vaishnavas. So Raghunath was there with some of the people and new people and they invited him in. And one of their people wasn't wearing tilak. Wow. And Raghunath said they were beating the guy. <laughs> you don't wear tilak. <laughs> I belong. So that, so that design of Krishna, it's like a whirl of lotus. And the demigods are looking from above at the design. It's like, it's the earth has that mood that I belong. 
I belong to Krishna and everything belongs to Krishna. So everything is infused with this mood of Tadia and Mamata. <laughs> I belong to you, you belong to me. And it's this land of love, Vrindavan. So now they're entering and now the gopis begin to praise Govardhan Hill because in love, the place is important. You love the place according to the facility the place gives you to exchange love. That's why you like your living room better than your office because the living room is more love. So, and when I grew up, you know, we had our places that facilitated whatever we did. And according to that, we liked the place. So in the Upadeshamrita, there's this gradation of sacred, of sacred space. There's, the, there's the, the science of sacred space that according to God's desire to enjoy more deeper and deeper intimate feelings of love, then his place expands. He's beyond time and space. It's not he has to go to a place. His will in the purport in Gita, Mayadyakshena Prakriti Suyate Satcharacharam. Krishna, but the purpose of his determination is an absolute fact. So he has this determination. I want to enjoy in this way. And the atmosphere comes, and this world is reflected of that. So it's it we, we can understand from this world in its perverted form what the perfection is. So when God wants to open his heart fully, he's home. He's not in the office. Amelie, you like your office? <laughs> no, right? You like your, your home. Why? Because in your home, you can read Bhagavatam. You can worship your deity. It facilitates your inner heart, your life, your love, your, 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 what, the things you like. But God, it's all perfect, but he enjoys different varieties of love. There's a, there's a sweet love of enjoying respect and reference and reverence. That's also love. Like very, very senior person folding your hands. That's, you enjoy that, not out of ego, but out of love. There's also friendship and each has a different environment. In fact, Krishna has a different body according to the desire to reciprocate love. When he wants friendship, he manifests as Poganda, six to 10. When he wants motherly love, he manifests as Kamara for one to five. And when he wants romantic love, he's Kishore. He's, and, and there's also a place. There's also a place. And even in Vrindavan, which is home, but there's something also about home where the you, know, you can't goof off with your friends as much. The romantic, you know, I, I, I know in, 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 uh, in, in traditional cultures, the boy and the girl meet first, you know, like very formally, right? So let's say they meet in the parents' house and the parents say, no, we'll leave you alone. Don't worry about it. And then the boy and the girl are trying to get know each other intimate 
And then the father walks downstairs past the living room to go to the refrigerator. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, you always know that you can't really express yourself fully. You can't express yourself fully. You know that. So even though Krishna, he's enjoying his love in Vrindavan from his parents. Nandakeya Nanda Bayo Jai Kaneya Lalki Jai Kaneya Lalki Jai Kaneya Lalki Hati Dia Gora Dia Or Dia Lalki Hati Dia Gora Dia Or Dia Lalki so they have this this wonderful like parental love and all these feelings it's it's so deep with Mother Yasoda and Krishna when Krishna is going to the forest she keeps on running out because she can't bear the separation they can't bear the separation but there's something so Krishna every day he goes out and then he goes to Govardhan where the parents are not there. And because the parents are not there, it facilitates deeper and deeper exchanges of love. Amada Mandana Lila Kandare Kandare Te Rachiatina Bayuno Dwanvanasminamandam Itikala Kalanartam Lagna Kastadwayorme. Nijanigatani vasam dehi govardhantvam. Pramada mandana lila. Pramada, the romantic lila. Kandare, kandare te. In each and every cave. So Govardhan facilitates that. And then there's a verse which is in, it's in this chapter where it says that some say it was Radha. She's glorifying Govardhan as Hari Dasabharya, the best devotee. And there's two things that make the best devotee. You give yourself fully to your beloved and you do it in ecstasy. I once heard Srila Narayamarj define this term, sevak. He said, you have the term sevak, it means one who is a servant. He said, but if you take away the seva, what, what's left? Vak. And vak is vakasara. Vakasara. It's a demon. It's not service. Service is with love. Because it's not just the things. The things are carrying the love. Without the love, it's not pleasurable. Love is pleasurable. I was speaking to Jack on the way up. He has a program every Tuesday in his house. I said, Jack, do you enjoy cooking for yourself or do you enjoy cooking for the people when they come over? You enjoy seva. The essence of bhakti is seva, service. Bhakti Sandarva says that bhakti is best expressed in seva, which is loving responsiveness to the Lord through the faculty of the mind, body, and words. It's seva. And Govardhan does it in ecstasy. And the grasses, and I've heard this when Srila Raimarj took us on Prikram, 
never went to Ter Kadamba before. He took us when it was underwater and you had to go through the water and there were thorns. In fact, I have pictures from that that I, I have pictures I wanted, want to give you, including the aerogram he wrote me to thank, to thank us when we hosted him in, in Tuaco, the only temple at that time that hosted him. Somehow I, have, I went through my files, but he took us through the water to tear Kadamba. No one could go there before, it was underwater. Also, um, Udavikari was underwater for so many years. It, it was very interesting. So his mood of, of, of bhakti, his mood of devotion, so it, 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 it's the, the hairs, the grass, Govardhan, the, the grass is, is the hairs of Govardhan standing on the end that, and the water, the crystal lakes in the water is the tears of Govardhan. It's serving, but it's serving, it's giving everything with love. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I have to say, I, I, I appreciate coming here because I think they're really, and I know from Radhi Kunj, really trying to imbibe that mood. And you can actually see it here. Not many people here, but there's a lot of service done. And they got that taste. And, and we're, we're not conditioned to that. We're conditioned to enjoying rather than serving. But, but it, it's Bob, it's not the activity, it's the feeling. And when you get that feeling, then you can do anything. Yeah, like we, we had my... Was it last week we had my party? Was it two weeks ago? That long ago? Yeah, and it was so nice. Seva. Such nice. Seva. Everyone loves Seva. Okay, I'm going to stop here. Rasik Mona, I'm going to kindly request you to say a few words to the. No, I'm just drinking up the katar, please. I just appreciate you drinking up the katar when you're sitting, but that's. This is the secret. He's so eager to hear that he's drawing out these things from me that I don't know. Just, just say a few words to the devotees. Just to... at that time already. What time is it? Yeah. Just getting started, Maharaj. You gave what? such a beautiful preamble, but then you're going to give us the juicy stuff. And... Uh, okay, I'll just read one more paragraph. <laughs> but you, you have to just say some concluding words. It's uh, Another gopi said, Wow. Everything appears wonderful when Krishna and Balaram travel in the forest of Vrindavan playing their flutes and making intimate friendship with all kinds of moving and non-moving living creatures. When Krishna and Balaram play on their transcendental flutes, the moving creatures become stunned and stop their activities. And the non-moving living entities, creatures like trees and plants began to shiver in ecstasy. These are the wonderful reactions to the vibration of the transcendental flutes of Krishna and Balaram. Krishna and Balaram carry binding ropes on their shoulders and in their hands, just like ordinary cowherd boys. While milking cows, cowherd boys bind the cow's hind legs with small rope. The rope almost always hangs from the shoulders of Krishna and Balaram, of the cowherd boys. And it was not absence from the shoulders of Krishna and Balaram. 
in spite of their being the supreme personality of Godhead, they played exactly like cowherd boys and therefore everything became wonderful and attractive. Okay, I'll read the paragraph then I'll finish the chapter. When Krishna was engaged in tending the cows in the forest of Vrindavan or in Govardhan Hill, the gopis in the village were always absorbed in thinking of him and discussing his different pastimes. This is a perfect example of Krishna consciousness to somehow or other remain always engrossed in thoughts of Krishna. The vivid example is always present in the behavior of the gopis. Therefore, Lord Chaitanya declared that no one can worship the Supreme Lord by any method which is better than the method of the gopis. The gopis were not born in very high Brahmin or Kshatriya families. They were born in the families of Vaishyas and not in big mercantile communities, but in the families of coward men. They were not very well educated, although they heard all sorts of knowledge from the Brahmins, the authorities of Vedic knowledge. The gopis' only purpose was to remain always absorbed in thoughts of Krishna. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 21st chapter of Krishna, the gopis attracted by the flute. So just whatever, just a few words on anything, on what I said, on anything else, welcome, whatever. So, so absorbed in Katamaj, I completely forgot I was supposed to say something. <laughs> so I bought a little bit of time just last. <laughs> but um, mostly, yes, I was just very happy to be drinking up such sweet Kata. And it felt um, something very important is, you know, the difference between book knowledge and, you know, realized knowledge or, you know, gyan and big gyan. I mean, something, you know, something, you can quote something, but it's something that's deeply kind of learned experience. So it was really nice hearing from you, Maharaj, it, you know, the deep moods of kind of experienced bhakti and being able to convey that. And I really appreciate what you were talking about, about, <clears throat> understanding and also not just speaking truth but speaking truth in an understandable way according to the audience um, but what I really felt was so honored to be here and I felt like it was like a perfect example of applied Krishna consciousness this little program um, coming together as friends as community sharing wisdom but in a mood of relationship and sweetness and um, it's something I've been meditating on kind of as what we're trying to cultivate and create here uh, what sacred space you know serving this tradition this cause and it's a very wonderful thing so I was meditating on this idea of having community what does it really mean to be Krishna conscious or to follow the process? You were talking about what is bhakti. And it's partly, it's the goal, but it's also the process to get that, the abhideya. And it's not something that it should be very organized, but it also should be very natural. 
And so it's a mood of what we're trying to you know, cultivate here. You know, our, our Gurudev had the title uh, given to him when he was initiated in 1947, uh, Bhakta Bandhava. It means being a friend, not only of the devotees, but it's when, I, when we started our organization with that name and our publication has been you know, about nine years, 10 years now. And at first, oh, it's a title given to our Gurudev. But the more I went deep into it, um, you can kind of understand how it comes out and how it can embody really the principles of pure Krishna consciousness. Um, and so it's actually a term spoken by Krishna himself. Sanatana Goswami uh, quotes it in Hari Bhakti Vilas, and it's in different sources uh, quoted, in five or ten different scriptural sources. And Krishna is speaking to Arjuna, who he told in the Bhagavad Gita that I'm speaking this to you because you're my very dear friend. Krishna says that in the Gita. You are my very dear friend, so I'm giving you this knowledge. And so Krishna is talking to Arjuna in the, in the Purana. He says, Ashmakam Bandhava Bhakta. I am the dearmost friend, because Bandhava means dearmost friend, like the best friend. He says, I am the best friend of the devotees, and the devotees are my best friend. And so to your point, Understanding the importance of developing relationship with God through love as a way to understand the absolute truth. And I really like that point you made about you don't know much about a stranger. Through relationship, you can learn about somebody. And so the absolute truth being a personality, how are you going to know about him without developing relationship? And so Krishna is saying here that I am the best friend of my devotees. And they are my best friend. And so it's the idea of first understanding that how to make relationship with God is becoming a devotee and developing friendship with God. It's almost, it's a very intimate idea even. Like we can say, I love God. But to understand the principle of being an intimate friend or best friend of God, it's such a high concept even, philosophically speaking. And so then our process is really understanding that Guru is one who is a very dear friend of God, like Swami Prabhupada. You know, in he, when he came to America, he was having a, in the Jaladuta, he was having a conversation with Krishna, a dialogue with his dear friend, Krishna. Why have you sent me here to help people understand even what you're talking about today? It reminds me when Pro, uh, September 17th, we were having this class about Sri Prabhupada's arrival. And in this address, he's speaking with Krishna, but for about eight of the points, it's all about how will I, they understand this message of the devotional mellows? How will they understand this teaching that you're trying to send me to give? But it's, it's his conversation with Krishna as a friend. And then understanding that our process is really developing a connection to Guru, who is that friend to Krishna. And then we can become a friend to everyone. And so the idea of Krishna consciousness is if you develop relationship with Krishna, then you harmonize your relationship to all of existence and all ever the all living entities. And so that mood of um, the next line of the verse is also very important. Krishna says, Jagatam Guruvo Bhakta, Bhaktanam Guruvo Vayam. The Jagat Guru or the world teacher is the devotee, the bhakta. That bhakta who has intimate friendship with Krishna. So it's understanding the relationship, the need for guidance. So that's why I was saying this program felt like a perfect example of applied Krishna consciousness. 
understanding the need for friendship and community and belonging as you spoke on, but also the need for guidance. If we're not on that level of having intimate friendship with God and Raso Vaisaha, he was talking about the idea of different levels and mellows of relationship. But the basic value is ultimately that intimacy of friendship. Like when we talk about relationship with God, there's the word bhakta, which means a devotee, and there's the word das, which means a servant. But if you were to rank the two, being a servant without love and friendship, it, it's almost a cold thing. But when you have friendship, service is a natural exchange of loving relationship. And so the idea of that intimate relationship between the devotee and Krishna, God and his beloved messenger, that person then can become a guide to the world. And they are the true world teacher. This is what Krishna is, you know, if you define what, for example, we're trying to establish, the mood, it's understanding of a transcendental system of helping others develop their true self-awareness, the blossoming of consciousness to the absolute state where you're in your true spiritual position, but also in relationship to the absolute truth. And so that process is, Krishna says, the next line, first, my best friends are the devotees and they're my best friend, means their attention is to me, not just to the world. If their attention is not on me, then their teaching will ultimately just be out of ego or attachment or self-gain. But if their attention is on me in a relationship with love, then they can be a world teacher, a guru. So he says, Jagatam Guru Vo Bhakta, the devotee, the true devotee who loves me is the world teacher. And I am their guru. Bhaktanam Guru Vo Vayam. I am the guru of my devotee and the devotees are the gurus of the world. So it's understanding the need. Why is there a society or communities? Because it gives a platform to cultivate the life of the spirit in community, in a personal relationship with God, rather than a path of impersonalism where through my own endeavors, I could develop some kind of you know, psychological conception of the spirit in connection with all reality or being one with reality. But we're in a process of love and devotion. And so having, you know, an organized system to nourish that, but ultimately understanding that the ideal and the, the actual conception and the actual practice is more important than the system that supports it. Uh, when we talked about bhakti, I'll just, I don't want to drag on. Uh, we had a class last night where we were talking about Mahaprabhu's uh, story of the astrologer telling about this hidden treasure. A long story, I won't get into it, but basically there's a poor man and the astrologer comes and says, actually, you're very wealthy. There's just a hidden treasure. You don't, your father left it for you. You just have to find it. You have to find where to get it. But when we were talking about, you know, don't go to the South, don't go to the North. I don't know if I should tell the whole parable, you but can, yeah. he tells him there's a buried treasure. Your father left it for you, but he was in a foreign land. He wasn't able to tell you exactly. And you were young. So you weren't ready to get that treasure. You would spoil it. So he told him, now I've come to tell you, I've been sent by your father, you know, and I'm coming to tell you how to find it and where it is. And he told him, don't dig in the South. If you dig in the South, wasps will bite you, swarm and bite you, and it'll cause suffering. Don't dig in the North. A big black snake will swallow you. Don't dig in the West. A ghost will attack and possess you. 
Dig in the east and very easily you'll find the buried treasure. And so the example is given that the south represents karma kanda, merely fruitive activities without relationship. The north represents that impersonalist mood, you know, merging with God. I am one with existence. I am God. It's like a black snake devouring your, it's called spiritual suicide. The West represents this Astanga Yoga process, developing mystic powers, becomes like a ghost that possesses you and you become maddened by it. Follow Bhakti. Bhakti is the natural method of developing relationship with, the, with God, who is the absolute truth. And it, it's, it's a natural, it's not an unnatural process. It's natural. This world that we live in, this situation we live in is unnatural. We want to go to our natural state of relationship with God in his realm. That's our true home. And so tying into this example, uh, this verse Rupa Swami gives, jnana karma adi anavrata. Bhakti is not covered by the fruit of activity, karma. You need to perform work in your duty, but bhakti is not covered by it. It's not, bhakti is not subordinate to it. So if you dig in the south, karma, bhakti is not the treasure. What is the treasure? In this parable, the treasure is prem, love for God. Mahaprabhu says, prem dana vyarta daridra jivan. Without love for you, my life is meaningless. I'm a beggar. Daridra jivan. Daridra means I'm a beggar. Destitute. Without love for you and relationship with you, I have nothing. So the treasure or the wealth is relationship and love for God. The process is bhakti and bhakti and prem are synonymous. So the process is the, also the goal. But you can't get to the treasure by a process of karma, jnana, or astanga yoga. The process is very easy, bhakti. And so he says, oh, if you go to the west, the ghost will get you. If you go to the north, the snake will devour you. Go through the process of bhakti. Jnana, karma, adi, anavrata. Bhakti is not subordinate to jnana process, karma process, or yoga process. Bhakti is to Bhagavad Bhakta. Bhakti comes from the bhakta. That bhakti who has friendship and relationship with God, our gurus, Shri Prabhupada, our Srila Gurudev, they, we can just understand that they are the intimate friends and associates of God. And their servants, their followers, their disciples, if we develop friendship and relation to our gurus, then we can be connected to that channel and we can also help others. But to help others, to be a guide or world teacher, First, we must develop love for God and relationship with him or to his teacher, his bhakta. At some level of this disciplic succession, we must be connected because Krishna is our original guru. And so at some level of the chain, we have love for our gurus and connection and friendship with them or to Vaishnavas. Then we're qualified to start being a friend to others. And so this is the core of our kind of understanding of what our mission is, you know, to serve, to love to serve love Krishna, but ultimately to become a friend, meaning to develop that mood of being a devotee. What is that mood of being a bhakta and being with other devotees and following this process of devotion and then understanding the importance of also having a guide who is on that level who can really help us progress in the life of the spirit. That is the purpose of the organization. And so that's why I'm going back to the idea of covering. The structure, the foundation is not something that's covering the principle. The principle of having guru, of having bhaktas, of having community, of belonging, of following this process of hearing and chanting and taking prasad together, 
that process is something that the organization serves. And the administration, the management, which is required to have a stable system in world, this world, without that, everything's just going to fall apart. You're standing on thin air. You need a structure. You need a foundation. But the foundation is serving the ideal. And the ideal is the applied process of Krishna consciousness, which we just are witnessing and participating in today. Maharaj bringing us closer to Krishna by sharing talks of Krishna and developing our mood of Wanting to be with Krishna. If you didn't have greed to be in Vrindavan, how would we develop greed to be in Vrindavan? So sharing these droplets of your greed, Maharaj, whether you're drowning in ice cream out of separation or out of meeting, we all want to drown in this mood of sweetness of Krishna consciousness. So Srila Prabhupada, it is the same mission. Srila Prabhupada said, Krishna Bhakti Rasa Bhavita Mati. In all Srila Prabhupada's books in Hindi, it's written the Krishna Bhavana Mrita Sangha. It means the association of those thirsty for love of Krishna, Krishna consciousness, the mood of Krishna consciousness. And that's the same society that he established, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So it's, as our Gurudev would say, it's the same wine in a different bottle. So the names, the structure can vary, but the principle and the ideal is the same. And that's why our mood is non-sectarian. Because it's understanding that if the principle is being served, if the ideal is being served, then the structure is serving its purpose. And the structure is not serving its purpose if the principle is not being served. And so that's really um, what we're trying to um, develop here as a culture um, of service and of love, but ultimately of guidance and of friendship. And having friends helping you along the way also is important. Devotees are friends to each other. Prema Maitri, Rupa Swami talks about Nupadeshamrita. We should develop friendship amongst devotees. So that importance of friendship in community and importance of having spiritual guides who can really help you. Either you should be a guru or you should have a guru. Really, you need a spiritual guide or a certain point when you develop enough spiritual strength and energy and connection to Krishna or to your gurus, then you can also be a teacher. And that is something that is also part of our principle. As a, uh, an inalienable necessity, as you said, my Gurudev said, uh, what does it mean to be Vaishnava? They increase a faith in Guru, understanding that that is a cornerstone of our tradition. And so really that's um, a very happy and honored for Maharaj to come. It's been very heartwarming and very touching. And thank you for sharing Krishna Kata and also the understanding by which we can develop greed for Krishna and Krishna Kata. Hare Krishna. Isn't this a beautiful place? What do you think? Take advantage of it. They had a Radhastami festival for three days with some of the Amala, Harinam, Namras, different Kirtaniers. It's only two hours from New Jersey. Three-day festival. You can come at any time. They're having their opening on maybe October 20th. Forget your work. Picking up Takaji tomorrow morning. Pick up the deities. The, uh, the deities. Actually, this the mood of having a very, again, like a mood of home for Radha Krishna where it's sweet and intimate almost. They're sitting, relaxed, surrounded by their friends. Their Those are the deities they're carving. Yeah. What are they made of? They're bronze. Of, of bronze, they'll have deity. 30, 40 inches high, gopis. 
and yeah, we're actually in the we're that's what the temple is being built for. But in the meantime, we're going to be housing them in this other building that I showed uh, Greg they and have Jack. Sixty acres across the river here, up there. That there's water running through the property. Yeah, yeah. I promised to show Greg before he leaves today. <laughs> they have a, a ridge where they can keep the temple. What a little dawn. Pleasant ride. Okay. Have, have a quick party. Yeah, our teeth and then decide. Okay. What do you all think here? Nice. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, uh, if you want, you can stay for the kirtan. Okay. Just do a kirtan preparing for our team. One, two minutes. Okay.